Hell yeah. Hey, what is up? Welcome to the Hypothetical Comedy Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina. And I am Athena Rodriguez. And we're here with the CEO of Suitman Productions, Dante Suitman Barnett. What's up, Dante? You know, I'm here. I'm on time. I always I always joke that I want to say I'm here and queer, but I'm not queer. I just like to rhyme. That's my black side coming out. You know, I, mean? I always want to say that, too, for some reason. But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun. It's a it's a cute, fun little saying. Yeah, it's a fun little fact. You know, yeah. I'm here. Not queer, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> right. Other than that, no, I've, I've been great. It's uh, I'm I'm. I'm crushing it out here. It's uh, every day's a risk, if you know what I mean. Um, I've got five, four shows this month. One wow. Every- are they Suitman shows or like are you performing? Yeah, I'm producing four shows this month, right? Oh, that's super cool. And uh, so that's, uh, it's cool and nervous, nerve wracking, um, right? But it's also uh, three of them are, so two of them I've been doing before, so I should break even, if not make a little money. Uh, the third one's paying me 250 to do a Christian show. Oh, a Christian show. That's interesting. So they're, they're, um, they're a, a bar. Uh, they're not part of the church, but they're a bar associated with the church. Oh, and, wow. I, I want, <laughs> what a place right? to be associated with the church. Well, you know, I've, I've done shows there. So it's not like they don't know who I am. Right. Yeah. It's not like they don't, they haven't heard me before. Right. Um, damn it. Something got misspelled on a, on a flyer, um, but it, it's it, it <laughs> stop multitasking. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. God damn it! Uh, it's <laughs> if you know me, that's why I'm on this <laughs> damn thing, right? Is because I do not stop. But verbatim, they said this is our first show here at Luther. So express to the comedians to know that this is it's connected to the church, but we're not the church. We don't have to be clean, but not overly offensive. Absolutely no hate directed any specific groups, yada yada yada. yada. Yeah. So they know what I am. Like I'm telling everybody, like no f bombs, no dick jokes, right? Uh, <laughs> we don't want to hear about your badge. We're going both ways, right? Like, um, but I've performed there as their open mic like three or four times, and uh, it's 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 killer. It's one of those where you know they they are ready to laugh, um, they're ready to have a good time. They're ready to do it all. So it's 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 about, you know, doing something different. The other show is a bar I found was like, ask for a producer and ask for somebody. I put away the phone. Okay, I'm not going to multitask anymore. Uh, I, <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I need to produce the show. And within, you know, 15, 20 minutes, I hit them up and gave them all the information and told them about everything I did. And so we're doing a show called Unfiltered Comedy. We're doing the exact opposite there. Yeah. Oh, nice. We are going all like you're nothing but f bombs. Okay. We were nothing. saying our words, n words, f words. Right. We're saying them all. Right. No clean words. No clean words at all. No clean words. Right? So it was. Uh, and then you know I've been. I I just did my tenth SSI show. Do you guys remember which one that is? Yeah. Was- yeah. Comedy. Um. Um. Social security comedy. Yeah. Social security influencers. I did my tenth one. Now that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it kind of is. Like I, it, <laughs> that's every three months. That's two and a half years worth of, <laughs> worth of shows, right? Like, um, and it just kind of remembered. Like I was going to talk to maybe having Athena do raw once a quarter, or maybe once every six months or something. You know, finding a way to get back to doing more. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> I say that, and it's like, how do you do more? Your listeners are like, this fucker does four shows a month. What else are you going to do? <laughs> if you don't know Sue, man, I usually do two or three a month and all kinds of two or three a week, and I'm trying to. So it's, it's, uh, 
I think you guys heard in my voice even since the last interview. I was like, I was better. Now I'm actually happy, right? Um, I feel like this song. I'm happy, right? Uh, Giddy, that, Dante Giddy Man Martinez. Yeah, you're, I don't know why you I, how do I call you Martinez? It's Tigger, not Nigger. No. <laughs> the Giddy Man, the Giddy Man Barnett. I, I, don't know I love, I love working with Tina. Every time I ever do, she always at least get one or two. Oh my God, he just said that. Sorry, kids. This is no, that a- he said Martinez out of nowhere. <laughs> Dante, <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the mustache. I look a little. <laughs> Today. I know what it is. I meant like I'm Cuban, B. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though, man. You you are actually like I really look up to you as a producer um, because you're not just producing shows in your local market. You know, your local market of Seattle area. You know, you're out in Idaho. You're out here in the Bay Area. Like anywhere that you kind of want to do a show, you do a show, which I really I think that's awesome. You know, it it I haven't been to the Idaho in a couple of years. You know, you have. And and that's probably a good thing I should talk about. I think <laughs> one of the things we got to learn in comedy is like when we got on, on uh, we talk about just even relationships in general. You're like, sometimes it's for a good time and sometimes it's for a long time. All yeah. right. And exactly. when, when it came to Idaho, I think that was kind of it is, is we finally made some money and I kept it. And they were like, well, we didn't make a profit. Well, I don't care. My job was to get door ticket sales. I got five or six people here. Yeah, we. I want the eight hundred, and I'm gonna pay everybody else four to three, four to five combined because you get twenty five minutes for a fifteen minute set. What do you want me to pay you for doing two ten minute sets? I gave you fifty bucks. Yeah, you came to Idaho. Guess what? I drove to Idaho. I produced four shows. I made the flyers. I got all you guys here. I coordinated everything. And you know what? I took home four hundred fucking dollars. So no, I didn't make much money either for all the shit I did, right? But the point is, is is like the one club got mad. It's like you guys broke even. You heard what I said, right? Yeah. You guys broke even. I came here for a whole weekend as a small minor show and you broke even. What do you complain? Right. I'd rather break even than lose money. Right. Like we were finally getting the momentum and now you're mad. I finally made money when I've been losing every time I came. Mm-hmm. I've been losing. i just been taking the loss. This time I finally made something and you guys are mad, but this whole time... This is the first time you put money into us being here. You gave us a hotel. You gave us a, like, and so I, I said all this to say that some people will value and some people won't. I can come back down to Dark Horse Lounge to do a show next weekend if I wanted to. Pretty yeah, sure you that's a cool that, spot. Right? And next weekend we could be like, hey, I'm pretty sure if you guys wanted to throw a show, guess what? I'll throw my little name on there. I'll get you the space. And we can get you a show in, at Dark Horse, right? But there's different types of relationships, right? Some are going to use you more than you use them. Some are going to love you more than you love them. And then some are going to be mutually beneficial. And in comedy, that's what I found is that you've got to find this balance. And not only do you have to find this balance, but you kind of got to date people to know how they are. And you got to do the same thing in comedy. You got to get on the road. Um, I haven't been on the road this year. I've been getting my money right. I've been getting my job situation right. I've been fighting court charges. I've been getting over a headache. I have got through all of that, right? And looking at next year, I'm back. Like I'm back to wanting to get on the road. Hell yeah. I, I've built such a, I've got my machine oiled and greased at home to where I can have two or three, four shows going on, have other people hosting them and leave and probably still have everything go. Okay. There's not a lot of producers. I don't think anywhere that can say that other than, other than me. Right. Like I don't, 
I, I've built this machine where, you know, and I think you guys know a couple of people who've came in town, Danny D, Jackie, Jacob Blazer. Um, they've all came in town and done my shows, and I'll tell you, they're kick-ass. I think the biggest compliment I got was Jacob. Jake was like, dude, your shows are way better than ours. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Do you get what I'm saying? Like, like, Jacob and Jr. everywhere. They're, they posting, they're, they're doing so many shows. <laughs> but for them to... For them to get, for Jacob to look at me and go, that spot at Jules Maze is shitting on anything we've got. I was like, stop it. He's like, no, you stop it. You need to hear this. And I was like, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's more su- not surprising, but like, because you're an out of towner, you know? Yeah. And like, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't be able to like come in and like put on this kick out show, um, you know, more than the local people sometimes, but you do and you're able to. I um, think. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, uh, you mentioned Dark Horse. I just want to say, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of names. Uh, Erie Diamond was one of the people, but also uh, oh, R.I.P. Dude, I'm, Griff- gonna I'm getting fucking goosebumps. Fuck you. R.I.P. Uh, to our buddy Griffin Daly because he was on the show and, you know, he kicked ass and, and it's always good to see him. And so, yeah, yeah, you know. Let's talk about Griffin for a minute. I uh, So I met Griffin online and he was just this ornery fucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good like, way to describe him like my he's my he's me like i like he's from that same cut of cloth i am like if i don't say what's up dipshit i don't like you right mm-hmm. like um, my name my name is otto if you saw the name my name is otto that is me the pregnant lady reminds me of athena like if we were neighbors i would make athena cry she if you were around <laughs> when my mom died you would have cried it broke up with me as a friend and sam would have had to came over and tell me you hurt athena's feelings because just i could i could see that whole dynamic in between all those characters and who i am you know what i mean that is who i am if i don't tell you to fuck off or you're not a bad you're a bad driver or you're cooking fucking stinks i'm tired of you burning your tortillas athena pay attention when you're cooking you know what i mean like if i'm not <laughs> no i won't eat your fucking menudo i don't like menudo nobody likes tripe fuck you like if i'm not <laughs> sorry she's like athena's like how'd you know he doesn't know he's she's a- like what did i do i, know. I was like i don't make menudo <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are jokes i know I, my, <laughs> my my jokes are always so serious um, but if i'm not doing those things to you and i'm not having it, that's who griffin was you know what i mean like that's and and then you have the British accent and you're taking the piss out of me. And I, the, my favorite part about Griffin is we were talking about, I was dating that girl down there. And remember, she brought all her black sisters, right? Yeah. Griffin was fucking bombing. And finally he said, well, there's some black pussy in the room. How you ladies doing? And they lost their shit. <laughs> and they didn't take it offensive. And next you know, he just flirted. It was inappropriate with them for like the next four to five minutes. And it was fucking hilarious. Ari was there, Cynthia, um, and Paul. Oh, yeah, Cynthia, there, too. Right? So yeah. we had the Bay. We had uh, San Rafael. I, I don't think any of you guys are from the same neighborhood, right? No. I don't think any of you guys are even from the same market. And I, I that's the difference is, and even like on my shows at home, right? Like uh, on my shows at home, most shows aren't the same group of cl- comics. Does that make any sense? It's not the same clicks, right? Yeah, it's like diversity, different opinions, different, um, you know, people. And I do that online. I've done, I did that when I was on Displaced. There's some people I'm friends with that probably aren't friends with you guys, and <laughs> vice versa, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's some, and I remember I'd give Athena these lineups, and she'd be like, oh my God, I am so happy. I have never seen any of these women before. 
I'm so excited. I'm not even going to do any time. I just want to get to all you wonderful women and hear your comedy. And I'd be like, whatever, Athena. Um, and- awesome. <laughs> yeah, she would tell me. She would tell me that too. Like, oh, this person I never heard of her, but she was on Raw and she did really good. And you know, blah blah blah. She would tell me that stuff. Yeah, and I don't mean that joking at Athena, but that was the truth. Is we'd have people from everywhere, and when you yeah. make those contacts and you invest in those people, even long term, you know when. I think things get down for me or I get, I get in a shit place. Even now that I'm in a good place, there are people that message me from all over the world. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Just with, Hey, thanks. Or I needed to hear this. Or like one of them is a new person I met through Brenda Brown, but Desiree Newton in South Carolina. She's a pretty good comedian. I've heard her a couple of times. She actually does like work. She's been doing this for a while. Now, she might be in Arkansas. It's something down south that I would never go to, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of those racist states, right? <laughs> That's all of them these days. But anyways, so but I made a good friend with her uh, just being on a show with Brenda Brown, who does the sauce in the city shit. <laughs> Out of Las Vegas. I don't know if you know who she is, but she records yeah, all, so on Roku and does her own thing. And just making friends with people and and being genuine and being authentic. And then like, even like my new year's day plan of going down to Vegas and not having a room on new year's day on new year's Eve. I flew into Vegas with a room from new year's day to like three days later, but I had no room new year's Eve night. And I was like, I will figure this out. <laughs> and sure as shit, I got down there. I dropped my bags at my buddy's house, threw on my suit, got dressed up. Did a show with Tom Bomb, you know, a mushroom show with Tom Bomb and Jackie Pearl. Then I went and did Brenda Brown's show and then caught a ride down close to the strip on an Uber and was chilling and smoking and just ran into some dudes from Alaska. My best friends from Alaska. They were from the same Allen. Then they were talking about going to Palomino's and I was like, Italian food sounds good. And they're like, there's only Italian hoo-ha there. It's a strip club. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to one of those before. And they're like, well, we're VIP. You should definitely come. I said, ooh, okay. I'm down, right? <laughs> and then went and hung out with them, crashed on their couch till like noon, got a ride the next day. Like, what I mean in saying and all that is, is when you're finally comfortable with who you are or you're starting to have this real adventure authentic, it's amazing what you can do. And and Griffin was one of those people. You guys are one of I've met you guys in real life. We've hung out a couple times, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you did my show. We did an open mic. I came over and hung out at the house once. I think it's three or four times we've hung out, right? Yeah. Um, that's more than some of the people in your own market because I know how big your market is, right? So <laughs> I've probably seen you more than some people you know in the last two years. Yeah, I know. I'm still crazy. seeing people at shows and mics. And I go, man, how many years has it been since I've seen you, you yeah. know? Right, and just between the con- the the com- combination of the pandemic and being online, and really putting myself out there, like I met Chip Jones at inauguration. Remember? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> me and Chip. So met. Cool. Hey, met is that the same time? Is that the same time that you saw uh, John Andy Legend? Huh? John Legend. Yeah, I saw. Tell us, John tell us real quick about the John Legend thing because that was incredible. So this is, I've got a clip somewhere and I got to go find I it. I saw it. Yeah. I watched Thank it live. For, I watched it on your Facebook Thank you for, live. for reminding me. So I, so two things happened. George Floyd was, had that major thing happen. And in Seattle in June of 2019, uh, it went crazy down here. And I decided, I think we'd already met. Yeah. We were online. We'd already met. We were all friends, but I decided I'm going to go see what's happening. 
And so it was raining. So I got on my rain gear and I was like, it's probably, I'm going to probably be down there for a while. So like I packed a flask, I packed some snacks. Like I can't, the white side kicked in. I came prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I even had my umbrella. Like I parked a couple of blocks away, right? Had a couple of pre-roll blunts, right? So I get there and I'm smoking and sure as shit, within five minutes of me being there, it went to shit. You guys remember you? <laughs> you don't remember? You've never seen? Check out my YouTube. It's on there. The fuck? Like, I'm down there, I'm smoking, I'm looking around, they lit the car on fire, everybody's peaceful. Holy shit. That was on fire, but everybody was peaceful, and next thing you know, (laughs) I get hit with damn, I almost get hit with the fucking tear gas. It blows up right next to me, and it's not kinda, it's not sorta, it's, oh god. Holy shit, I did not know that part. Right, and then I'm running down the hallway coughing. Like if I could actually get, I'll find it and get it going. I could even play it for the podcast because I was know this during like the George Floyd. Yeah, this is like yeah, I, and the Seattle riots when it like that day I recall. Oh, this is in Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because remember, Portland burned down. Seattle had shut down. That's when we did our little chaz. Everybody heard about the chop, right? Where we had everybody that was ah uh, shit, damn it. Yeah, my name's Dante, but that wasn't supposed to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I went to that my audio's through. I was trying to get to the thing so I could tell you all the stuff. But um so that's when we had the chop. We had a whole like two square miles of Seattle get shut down, right? So it was like it was just crazy. And so they shot the 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 fucking tear gas off and it explodes right next to me. Dang. Like I I I, I I'm pulling up my videos now so I can see which one is which. But it literally explodes right next to me. And so I go to turn and run, and I'm like, I'm not running. And so I turn around, and now they start coming towards us like a fucking army. And I'm at the cross intersection. I was like, fuck it. So I go down the alley. I get down the alley. I'm fucking choking, coughing. I can't breathe. I got it all in my eyes. They're like, you got to take your contacts out, or it's going to fuck your eyes up. Because I decided not to wear contacts because I didn't want to be running with my glasses. Right, the whole time I'm running with an umbrella. I didn't drop the umbrella (laughs) (laughs) or the camera. I I didn't drop the weed camera or the umbrella. I was well prepared. My white side was like, we're getting all of this. (laughs) Now I'm looking at. I got eight different videos here. I think it's a combined uh like three and a half hours of live footage. And the crazy part was is when this happened, they were blocking out um cell phone coverage. Oh wow. Like we were getting dead spots. Like people were like the news is showing the same five minutes of footage. The only footage we're getting is yours. Um my voice went viral, remember? Because they had the dude on the knee's neck. And I was like, get your knee off his chest. Get your knee off his chest. My voice went viral on TMZ because I was. Wow, no. We didn't know you. We didn't know you until the pandemic. So we didn't know you yet. So, yeah. when So when that all happened, there was a video of a guy in Seattle with a cop with his knee on his neck, right? Yeah. Went through TMZ. That was me yelling, get your knee off his neck. That was my video they had taken and used. Oh, I'm sure if I saw it, I would recognize your voice. Yeah, and I was yelling, get your knee out. Like, so I went through this, like, I went through everything. I'm getting fucking goosebumps telling you fuckers about this. Look at that. My hairs are standing up. But it was crazy because, like, being the big, large black guy I am, that was the only time I ever felt safe. Wow. 
Because I'm walking through these riots and there's all these white people breaking shit and killing and all all this shit's going on. And guess who's worried about me? Most white people are like, hey, man, we love you, brother. We support you. And I was okay, y'all break shit. Y'all keep breaking into shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what that's for me, but you know what I mean? Like, I never, and like, there's one point where I'm walking around. You guys got to watch these videos. There's crazy. So I'm coming around the corner and the fucking, I see a whole fucking line of cops coming. I'm like, oh, fuck it. I turn and uh, like 70 bike cops ride by it. And one of them gives me a wave. Say, are you looking at me like everything's okay? Like, it's okay, Negro. We're not here for you. We're going to go get the boy. I never, I never. It, so anyway, so long story short, after going through all that, and then the January 6th happened, um, my home group of people were like, we don't want you to go to D.C. I got crowdfunded to go to D.C. Oh, I didn't know you got crowdfunded for that. That's awesome. So my one buddy started off was like, well, I'll give you at least 300. That'll get you there. So my flight was like 260. And then my room was another like 190 because I stayed in Baltimore and just walked across the bridge. And so I crowdfunded like everybody gave me like 800 bucks. And so I flew down there and and watched the inauguration. So I fly down there. I walk all I get up at like five. I walk down. to Now I walk down because i'm cheap and i want the experience right that was hell so they did they had the regular fucking they didn't have all the avenues open because everything that had happened and it was like a fucking war zone there. so not all like the lincoln bridge was closed well i'd walk down to go across the lincoln bridge and so then they turned me back so then i had to walk back and walk like and i'm walking <laughs> oh yeah and you had to like Probably go this like this around way right. to get there now. Yeah, there's no right, and, and it's cold. <laughs> yeah, and you're not used to the East Coast. <laughs> I mean, it's cold, but it's. I mean, I was. It wasn't that cold because I came prepared, but it's like 40 degrees. So I'm warm, but the minute you stop walking, then you're sweaty and you get cold, right? And yeah. then you walk, and then you get warm, and then you get cold, and then you get warm. Anyway, so I got my stickers. I'm having a blast. I'm blowing. Right, because I don't know how I, how did I get weed down there? I don't know how, but I had some weed. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> I don't remember how, but I had weed. I definitely had marijuana, and um, we're having a good time. That's right. I met up with somebody. I don't. I know because I know comics everywhere. I don't know if I met up yeah. with some guy, but I remember I'm blowing and uh, sure shit. I'm security. You're security. You know how this works. And you see the guy come out with a couple of guys come out with their headpiece and start setting up cones. Hey, what's going on over here? So it's like something's fucking going on. They just set up like six cones. There's 10 security guards. And sure as shit, John Legend and his wife walked up. And we're sitting there and I was like, John Legend, won't you say Suitman Productions? He's like, what? I was like, yeah, won't you check out Suitman Productions? He was like, suit man. I was like, no, suit man, like suit and tear. He was like, all right, I got you. Like, he gave me that little wink, like he knew, oh, suit man. Okay. Yeah. And I got it all recorded. And I remember Sam was watching live, and Sam was like, no fucking way. Yeah. I was like, that was fucking John Legend. Yeah, I was on break. I was on break at work, and I just 
was on Facebook and you were live. I'm like, oh, let's see what Dante's up to. And I look and you're like, there's John Legend. I'm like, holy shit. And I kept watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, that's not John Legend. I remember just reading his comments. He was like, I can't believe you just got John Legend to say Sumas. Yes, right? I- that's so mm-hmm. dope. That is really cool. That was, a, that was a good moment for you. And that, like, I, I forgot about that. I need to upload that again. But uh, John Legend approved. That's what I did. Because right? I chopped it down. It was like John Legend approved. Yeah. I got to find where that clip's at somewhere. But those are, like, I, I met Chip that weekend. The next weekend, that, that Friday, I went and met Danny D. Hell yeah. And then the comedian who killed himself, remember? he? I met him that same weekend with Danny D. I can't remember the dude's name that died or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. PJ. PJ. There we go. That was fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> he was a good dude, too. I liked him a lot. But, I met BJ, and then I met Danny D. I met my other cousins that week. Like, I've been on this just journey. This, uh, wow. When you put it like that, it's been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it has been amazing. And we I, Six tabs of acid, having Marilyn Monroe telling me I shouldn't go outside. And I was like, the painting. Should be. Painting's <laughs> <laughs> talking to me. I don't think. Yeah, we're gonna stay inside. I don't, I don't think you should go out there, Dante. <laughs> I don't think so either, Marilyn. <laughs> you what happened? Marilyn was like, "I don't think you should go outside." I, said, I don't think so either. Why? <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, that is a uh, yeah. That was a great time, and I had the best of times with Danny D. Uh, yeah, Danny. Shout awesome. out to Daniel De, Daniel De Luca. Uh, Danny D, Dirty D, we started Walrus. <laughs> Dirty <Gang>. D, <laughs> yeah. And you guys should join Walrus Gang. You guys are part of Walrus Gang. We need to get more shirts made. What but is yeah. Walrus Gang? Tell yeah, us. I don't think we know what that is. So me and Danny D made it up. It's Jackie Pearl was in it. I don't know if you remember, but when we were doing the Summer of Soup Man in, in Boise, there was a walrus on there. Yeah, remember it was okay. a beach and there was a walrus. The idea is is and uh, we're fluffy people, right? Mm-hmm. We like to lay around and just let it all out, right? And a walrus has a great disposition, right? They just do whatever the fuck they want. Like, have you ever seen anybody bully a walrus? Have you ever seen footage of a walrus being bullied, right? They just, they're just, they're just kings and queens of their. They just don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo. (laughs) And so that just was me and Danny D to T, right? Like just laying around, do whatever the fuck we want and just walrus game. You know what I mean? And just the love in it. Hold on, I gotta show something. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, all right. Well, Suitman uh, has walked away and he went into another room, and now he's coming back. He loved it so much. Is it an engagement ring? Almost, <laughs> almost. He didn't put a ring on it, but this is some weird rock, and that's real bone. Oh wow! Whoa. But she bought me an actual fucking walrus. You see that? Oh, it is a walrus. It's made out of rock and bone. Yeah, and this is like some thermantocyte or some kind of great rock, right? But she saw it after that happened. Was I? I just couldn't help it. And we are at Walrus Gang. I got my white shirt and it's neon colors. We had them made and for my fortieth birthday when I was in Vegas. But yeah, like that's the. Oh no, I I imprint on people. You know what I mean? Like you have to. And when you're, uh, I got a buddy out here. He's he's kind of a negative Nancy. I'm, I got to work with him on that. But we talk about authenticity, right? Yeah. And he's the reason why. Remember, I went to Russell Peters in Vancouver and was backstage. He's why. And I. Oh, okay, cool. Russell Peters loved me, and we all got along. But 
when you're authentic with people and it's not about the comedy. Like we've hung out every time and yeah, we go do our jokes, but we don't talk about comedy. I'm never talking about, hey, you know, you should do this joke different or ha ha, right? It's always just being people. And I think when you're a genuine person, you're not here trying to get over on people. Fuck, I had Shannon Battle up here too. I remember we had a fucking blast. Sorry, I, I just remember. Shannon. Oh, we had a blast. Got him in the four clubs in downtown Seattle, all VIP. I was like, who does this? We talked about that. I was like, who does this? Motherfucker. I not only got you in the clubs, but we had a sold out show and I painted him. Fucking suit man rocks. But when you're wow. genuine people and you just want to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Like Tommy Lucero met met me with when I went to Eureka with Jackie Pearl and Jacob and Jimmy, right? And it was actually Tommy's show. But after I performed, I guess he, uh, Jack's like, he's got a huge crush on you, man. He liked you, dude. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. Tommy just doesn't like everybody. He said you were cool. I was, well, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Uh, did you guys perform at Savage Henry? Yeah. Hell yeah. Did you love it? I, I loved it. The only area. problem I had, we had like nine people there, but it happens. That's cool. Then, I love that. But, I love that club because it's so like DIY. It is. It is. The thing about Eureka, and I had so I had Hollis. Do you know who Hollis is? No. So I had Hollis on my podcast, and uh, Hollis is is got a uh, he's he's four foot eight, but he's got no legs. <laughs> so when I met him, it fucked with me, and <laughs> I'm not fucking with you. He's on. He was on Dating with Disabilities this morning, so he was born with a foot on one side, and then a three inch tibia and fibia with a knee on the right side and a foot. So we're the same height, like we look the same size if we're sitting at a table till he gets down, right? And so I met him in Savage Henry, and I was just, I was telling him it was fucking with me because I couldn't, like I saw him in the audience at the open mic, and then he hopped off his chair, and I wanted to say something. (laughs) I love the way he turned. I just, that's not a mention. (laughs) What's wrong with him? That's like a big torso with no, what the fuck? And these are all the thoughts I'm having. And you can't just say that, right? I mean, you can. And that's what he said. You could have. There's a whole lot worse things I've heard. <laughs> I bet there is. You know? Oh, I bet. Yeah, no, I bet there is too. <laughs> and then I was like, you Lieutenant Dan looking motherfucker. And he's like, oh, I hadn't heard that one. It's like, how? <laughs> Nobody's ever called you. <laughs> we, we had a whole laugh earlier. I like <laughs> how you're like trying to like. Find something he hasn't heard before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's He's the comments. Is, what you hadn't heard, Lieutenant? I could double down on that. Fucker, hold on. Hold my bears, right? Like, <laughs> and the best part is he's having a blast with it. He's like, shit, this is pretty good. But I met him and it was just like the, the people you meet in Savage Henry. Um, it's like the improv comedy scene of stand-up comedy. And you guys have done improv comedy, and you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You go to an improv comedy show, guess what? Everybody hopes you do good. And even if you do bad, everybody genuinely tells you they thought you did good. And everybody appreciates your effort and all those great things. Whereas in stand-up comedy, uh, you bombed. <laughs> you sucked. And I'm only trying to hang out with my four friends. Half you fuckers are weirdos. Now, they may be weirdos in improv, but it just seems different, right? Same same in Savage Henry. And I think it's that same feeling of like improv where everybody's just like, hey, man, you gave it a try. You came out here. 
We usually just we don't ever get anybody out here. We only got ten thousand yeah. people in the city. Thank you for coming. Yeah, Ooh. they're they're a very like tight knit community because yeah. like that's Eureka's almost on to an island of its own. Yeah. And it it, it was just you know, I, I did the open mic, it went decent, I did the show, it went decent. You know, you you open for ten, fifteen people. Um I think when we started the show we had like six or seven people in there. By the time I got off stage, we had 20. Nice. Nice. For the rest of the show, yes. For me, frustrating. <laughs> right, because they missed your set. <laughs> right. And, and then that that I think that's what part of what won Tommy over is he's, you did your job. Yeah, absolutely. You, you like, went out you there did, and you didn't care. There was only seven people in the audience. And did my like work. And then that got other people to want to come in and see what was going on because they could hear me doing doing. I mean, you know what I mean. You can hear me. Yeah. So when I'm doing my jokes, I'm having fun, and I'm <laughs> like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> right? Is Seth Rogen in town? <laughs> <laughs> right? So it got people to come in, and t- that was one of the things Tommy said. He said, not only did you perform, dude, but you got 10 more people in the room. And none of those people would have came in if your loud ass wasn't up there. We yeah, have- I mean, they, yeah, because the way it's set up, it's like almost like a strip mall, so they probably heard you outside. Bingo. And then they when they peek in to see you, they're like, oh, dang, who is this? And then I was because in my all-white suit with my yeah. pink tie. And my, yeah, remember the all-white oh. suit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sam's not even a uh, girl. And he's oh. Oh, yeah. Cause, <laughs> well, I mean, let's transition over to your suits. Because, I mean, people, upon looking at you, they probably think, oh, well, I don't know who this is. But this is somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's your history with the suits? Exactly. Well, that's that's a, that's another funny one. Um, I had a girl come up here. What's her name? She's from the Bay Area. Lillian Sam. Oh, we oh, just wow. we just did a show with her recently. So, <laughs> funny part. She's from Seattle. Oh, I didn't know that. That's wow. cool. Yeah, she's actually from Seattle. So she came up here and did my show at Pints at Laughs. Now it's a little bar. It holds twenty people. The place was sold out. All twenty feet were seats were fucking full. Right. So there's nowhere for the comedians to hang out because, you know, it's a, one of those small breweries that doesn't even have a bathroom. They just serve beer and use Amazon <laughs> fresh bathroom. Right? outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? It's 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 a black-owned business. They're trying. They're doing what they can, right? Yeah. But so she does the show. We're all talking afterwards. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, have you ever heard of Suit Man production? She's like, oh, I heard of Suit Man. I was like, I'm Suit Man. She was like, you're Suit Man? She said, oh, I've heard a ton of shit about you. I didn't know you were Superman. <laughs> wow. Right? Because all you guys know who I am. Right, it's, yeah. It was funny. She that- wasn't, Lillian wasn't very, um, she wasn't on Zoom a lot during the pandemic. Yeah. She was it's- only doing like a few hangouts and stuff. And so a lot of people, like you've been on my shows, you've been on my flyers. A lot of you guys, I've worked in so many markets with you guys that, now there's people who actually know what Suit Man is without knowing who I am. That's crazy. And so to have a comic come up from the Bay Area, get on my show as a guest spot, not pay attention to where, you know, the logo that's on there and my name being on there, right? And then um, when we're talking and I'm, I'm – because I was literally having a conversation about how you can be nobody in your own market or deal with shit in your own market but be somebody on the road. And I was like, have you ever heard of Suit Man? She's like, oh, yeah, my friends love Suit Man. I know a ton of people. I was like, I'm Suit Man. She's like, oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Jesus. But I started the Suit Man thing. Um, 
I guess when I was a kid, I was poor. I told this the first time, but uh, I used to go to church at uh, First Presbyterian Church. And there was another family called the Barnetts there. And I'm a Barnett. My mom's not. Her last name's English, so she's my white family, right? And these people were white, and they made it a point to let me know that we were not related. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? Because I was a little black kid. Right. Yeah. So much say that, but they're like, you know, your mom's last name is English, so there's no way we're related. <laughs> Don't sit over here with us anymore. <laughs> all right? <laughs> but they also sponsored me to get a suit every year because I was in choir. Oh, they did. Okay. Well, they weren't all bad then. Yeah, exactly. They donated to the United Negro Fund. Like it's, they're not racist. <laughs> so, well, if we give you money, maybe you'll just stay away from us. <laughs> right? Maybe you won't sit in the same pew as we have. So, <laughs> we uh, I used to wear a suit and tie for choir, and I noticed how different everybody treated me. When I was in my suit and tie at church versus like being a little kid that ran around that was growing out his clothes too fast. Wow. Yeah. Then fast forward to high school. I was in FBLA. You know what that is. FBLA? No. FHA DECA? No. <laughs> Future Business Leaders of America? Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. That, I've, I've heard yes. of that. Yes. FBLA, fuckstick. Um, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I just- I didn't know it was an acronym, you old bastard. We're the same age. <laughs> Facebook Los Angeles. Angeles. Facebook We're all Los the Angeles? same age. We're all born in '81. We found that out. For all you podcasters out here, we're gonna age shame me. These fuckers are both older than me. I'm the youngest one on this call. You I just are. want to let y'all know I'm the youngest one. <laughs> but I was in FBLA, and it's in Deca is the marketing one where it, um, you go to this conference. Always had his, you know, a couple suits and ties. And then I've been the same. I've been six foot two, six foot since fucking 12, 11, 13 years old. So I haven't really got, I've gotten wider, but I've always been a bigger size. And then we had a black um, group called CK2, and I always did our MLK assembly and was the host, right? So I've always worn suits and ties. And, and then, then you got some stage presence from doing that. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't so much like even so. <laughs> You know what's funny is we took third in entrepreneurship in state my senior year. That's awesome. And our, we pitched, no, wait for it. We pitched <laughs> to deliver groceries. And they said that wasn't feasible. Our whole idea was time is, is invaluable. If you could tell us the, what you wanted to spend and a mother doesn't have to spend an hour and a half at the grocery store, that's immeasurable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, now, it's, now it's huge. Now that's huge. <laughs> All right. I wrote a whole marketing paper called Spunk about making the energy. <laughs> Spunk. Yeah, it was That's energy why drink. They, 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 it was a 10 page. They, they, they probably just looked at the title and just said, forget it. Right. Like, but it was all about marketing energy drinks based on flavor because there's no way to say which energy complex works. So put caffeine and everything and make up your own energy complex and then just make something that tastes good and sell it. Yeah. Sound familiar? Fuck. A little bit, a little Anyways, bit, yeah. Sorry. Here, let me open Somebody this rolled my fucking quick. paper from FBLA. I was like, "Oh, we'll show this nigger. We'll fucking make all the money." <laughs> but then you could have been, you could have been Instacart. You could have been Rockstar. Ah, yeah, right. A lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I did. I used to always wear suits. So and then when I got older, I started. You know, I was a timeshare salesman. That was when it first started. So when I started selling timeshare. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
I sold timeshare at a very young age from like 22 to 24. I even lost, lived in Las Vegas selling timeshare oh. off the strip. Like I had a, I was, I was one bad motherfucker. I could talk you out some money. And then, uh, I started working at the banks as a banker. You got to wear slacks and tie. And then I don't like to be boring. So when I started doing comedy, I actually was going through a bad divorce. Uh, I didn't have any clothes. I had like, cause when you get kicked out of your house, you get to grab a bag of shit. <laughs> that's all you get. And I had a bag of shit for like six weeks. And then I finally got all my shit back. And at the time I think I got three or four suits, maybe 50, 60 shirts and probably a hundred ties. Now I have seven or eight suits, 12 suit coats, uh, uh, about 200 ties, 40 of which are bow ties. But I started doing comedy in my suits. And every other white host would be like, hey, welcome up the defendant. Welcome up the used car salesman. Welcome up, you know, just something derogatory. This isn't a job interview. It's open mic. And it's, no, I just like to look good. Yeah, but it always gave him something to, like, talk about. And and it was always something negative, right? Yeah. (laughs) It just really, like, irked me. And then one of the comics was like, we're going to call you Suit Man. You know what? You fucking right. Like, you fucking, what's up, Suit Man? And then it was just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's who I am. I'm the Suit Motherfucking Man. Hell no. yeah, dude. And you see, yeah, and, yeah. He, and when I'm in my vibe, I'd be like, you see the suit, you know what fucking time it is. You know what's fucking going down. You see the tie, you see the curl. You know you're about to have a good time. So fuck with Suit Man. And it's a whole, whoo, <laughs> I'm ready. Like, like, And it's not even, like, I once told, I think I told you guys last time, it is kind of like a shield. You know, it, it, it shields the poor, broken kid I grew up being. The abandoned, homeless, not having anybody at home, running around church kid. And I'm still that guy. You know what I mean? I just grew up. And so, and, and even like when I did all them shows in Boise, it was the sign, you know, somebody was like, it's like the bat signal of comedy. It kind of is. Cause when you see it, it is circular and it is round and it's got this, polarizing effect because it's black and white. You know what it is. You know who it is. You know the curl. You know the glasses. You see the tie. It's fucking suit, man. Right? And it's just become it's become more than that. It's become a, a, a marker of diversity, a marker of inclusion, a marker of doing more than watching white people do comedy and yeah. white people do entertainment. You know, it's disabled people. It's old people. It's women. It's people of color. It's young, it's old, it's just not, it's, it's about more than me. And, and it, it, it takes doing these interviews. It takes not listening to the crowd. It takes not being around the same assholes who want to stop you or hate on you or try to drag my name or drag me down. It takes knowing that there are people that need me to do this. Right. Because if I'm not doing it, nobody else is for whatever reason. And Athena will tell you this. When we start, I started raw comedy. How many all woman shows were there? Not a lot, actually. Then everybody started doing them, right? So I stopped. How many all woman shows are there now? Still not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a but few. But while there. I was doing mine, everybody wanted to start a new one. Get what I'm getting at? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. And I, I, I was the first one doing an all online woman show. Yeah, and there's so many people who would chat and talk shit in the background. I heard about it. So why is Suit Man doing it? I heard about all of it. I heard I heard all of it. Oh wow. 
I heard I heard it all. I heard the I heard that he's just trying to get a harem and he's trying to do that. I'm trying to do what? Right, you're trying to like you're trying to showcase people who aren't normally showcased. And then let's talk about that. How did you how did you start producing shows? Yeah. So my first show ever, no crying, Athena. (laughs) Was called Make Dante Dad Again. Oh. It was like a sex show or what? Oh my God. Ew, honey. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ew, honey. Just, I'm going to divorce you for that. That was yeah. high. She won't cry now. No, she won't cry. <laughs> I guarantee that she wouldn't cry. <laughs> Watch it all. Watch it. Wow. Open your eyes. <laughs> no, so when I, I, I was trying to I was trying to get a lawyer. Honestly, I was scrambling for money. I barely moved. I didn't know what was going on. I, I, I was hoping like I could raise enough for a lawyer. I think I raised like four or five hundred bucks. I ended up using it to like pay bills and take my daughter to school at the time because I didn't have you know what I mean? Yeah. But I just I was trying I thought I was gonna make a huge amount of money and get you know how it is when you first produce a show, you're like, I'm gonna get a hundred people to come and everybody's gonna give me a ton of money and I'm gonna make all this money, I'm gonna go get a lawyer. And it didn't happen. Oh. But what did happen is 35 people said they wanted to do my show. And I scheduled everybody a seven-minute set with a five-minute, a seven-minute block with a five-minute set. So when they showed up, I'd be like, hey, you're on at 11, 12. I'd be like, well, it's 11 o'clock. What time am I on? I said, well, the list at 11, 12, you're on in 12 minutes. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah. Next guy go up, and then they'd be on. And by the time I got done with the show, guess how many people went up on time? All of them. Fuck yeah, dude. And everybody was like, you should produce shows. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah. And I was only three months in, but it just made sense. Like, you, you, you've you, seen my spreadsheets, right? Like I had all my spreadsheets. Don't say the <laughs> S word. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I am with my spreadsheets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So I remember I showed you, you're like, that's overwhelming. It's that's just, because it's this. just all, it looks like it's all over the place, but in a neat way. <laughs> I can't even describe it. It's everything. I mean, you can see my board in the back. Right? Like, <laughs> it's empty, but you, like, you can tell he's organized, right? But it was one of those where I was just like, okay, I can do this. And then I went and did the Northwest Black Comedy Festival. And I got to give a shout out to them, even though I don't fuck with them no more. Shit happens. Good shout out to High Jinx, uh, DJ Wild Child in Portland, Oregon. Uh, next year, I think it'll be the sixth or seventh uh, Northwest Black Comedy Festival. I was at the third, fourth, and fifth. Um, I got awards on the fourth for best podcast. I got best host on the fifth. And when I went there, my first time going there, I grabbed my friend Quentin Jones, who's a black comedian. We started at the same time. I grabbed this white kid, uh, Quinn Fitzgerald. He was a couple months low, newer than us, but around the same time. I said, hey, man, we're going to go to the Black Comedy Festival. We told the white kid we tried to get him out. Uh, nice. Again, this is before I started producing, right, and understanding how this works. Mm-hmm. We get there, and the black guy's like, no, this Black Comedy Festival, what part of that do you not get? Said, my bad. I just figured out that. I mean, I'm mixed. I, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. My bad. Right. So we go up. Uh, my buddy Quentin gets 10 minutes. I get five minutes. I crush him. We go to another place. It's a Mike downtown in Portland at a little Asian restaurant, right? We eat some food, come back. Quentin gets another 10-minute set. I'm fucking pissed. 
<laughs> right? I go to the producer, go, hey man, can I get like, f- I'll take five, whatever. I just need to get on the stage again. He's, oh shit, I'll give you five. Quentin goes up, he's blah. Now, why is this huge? Because on the way down, right? And I, you guys know this philosophy in me, I'm pretty sure because you've seen me perform. I don't have a ton of material. I mean, I've got my half hour, 45 minutes now, but I, I'm not the type that does a ton of different material. I'm the guy that does the same thing every fucking time. And so on the way down, Quentin was bragging about how he had, you know, 25 minutes of material. I was like, yeah, but I got a better 10. <laughs> right? And he was like, but I can do 25. I said, yeah, but what's your 10, nigga? Like, if they said, what's your best five minutes, do you know what you're going to do? No, you don't. So you don't have shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the white dude is all I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, the white guy's like, I'm not he's in the back like you know, he's don't let you guys argue this out. I'm not <laughs> He just said nigga twice. I don't know if I my am I agreeing with this nigga or that nigga? I'm not agreeing with anything. No, you guys aren't nigga. You know what? I'm just gonna be quiet. <laughs> So we go down there. I do the first set. I rocked it. I told you we get done. So we do the second show. I do the second set. Now, mind you, I'm sitting in the crowd. All these older comedians are running their mouth. They talking all this shit. They're like, I bet you'll probably do the same set. There's so many people up here doing the same set, this, that, and the other. So I went up there and did a different five minutes. Oh, wow. And you know what was even better? I came off and the producer was like, Nigga, I didn't know you were funny. I'd have gave you more time. I was like, oh no, that was perfect. I didn't have any more. I didn't want to tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> the reality, I made her cry. I got her. But the reality <laughs> of it was, right, is that I, I knew my stride. And I think you guys have seen me around enough, and even online, whether it's online or in person, that if I'm in front of a new crowd, there's not, I'm, I'm going to be hard. I'm hard to follow. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. I am hard to follow. Even at, at the open mic with Melanie, remember when I was freestyling it that night and killing it and making you guys laugh. And it was like, Ooh, I don't want to follow him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bring the energy. I'm going to be loud. Everybody in the crowd, everybody at the bars now listening, everybody at the bars going to stop talking, everybody, whatever. And then now when you go up, either you got to keep, keep their attention or now it's going to get loud because they're talking and you've done lost yeah. it. The show yeah, like, yeah. And so I, I I had such a great time that when I came back, I was like, we got to do an all-black show in Seattle. And I looked at all the new comedians. I was like, we're going to do an all-black show in Seattle, and, and we're going to do it at one of the real comedy clubs. And they're all like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know how your friends meet when you're new? They're like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to get a it. black show at Cobbs this weekend. All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, go to Punchline with that shit. Go ahead. <laughs> And you're like, hey, what's what do you mean, you guys? And they're like, you'll see. <laughs> so, sure, shit. I went everywhere. Everybody's mostly like, no. Laughs. Luckily, gave me a day. And at first, I was all pumped. And then I found out that the Thursday before a three day weekend isn't good. Oh, wow. Yeah, they gave me the Thursday before uh, Memorial Day weekend. Wow. Guess how big the check was? They had to cut me. Not very big. Eleven hundred dollars. Oh, it was good. Okay, nice. We damn near sold out. Hell yeah, wow. dude! The Have funny part was that same friend Quentin. When I told him how well I did, do you do you know what this asshole told me? How can you put me on? 
No, he was on the show. He was just oh, mad. Okay. He only got 50 bucks, right? <laughs> you did eight minutes. You got 50 bucks. What are you complaining for? Yeah, but, I mean, that's eight minutes of work for $50. Yeah. He told me Hannibal Burris and Ellen got paid more than I did. And I was like, nigga, did you just com- That is some hater ass shit. Like for you to play your first game and somebody like, you know, Jordan had 69 once. Nigga, are you comparing me to Jordan? And that's literally what my buddy said to me. And then the funny part was the reason why I never produced shows there again is I went up to the owner and I was like, hey, I want to do an all-woman lineup. This is before I called it WAP. I was calling it Momity. I was doing all mom. <laughs> That's cute. The, right. You've actually, I think you guys have been on, you've been on Momity or the, my Mother's Day, Mother's Day Momity. I call it Mother's Day's Momity. I just donate it instead of make it, you know what I mean? So I still do it, but that was my first one. And then I was trying to do the mix show and I wanted to do Dark Brew and I talked about Def Jam and the owner's wife was just like, I don't, I don't, are women really that funny? I mean, we'll do your black show again, but I don't really see like a whole show of women. Working? We'll do, you, we'll do your black show again as long as they're not women. <laughs> it's just all women, you know. Nobody's gonna come to a show full of like all women. And it was just like, are you kidding me? Wow. And so I, you know, through my my way of doing all my podcasts, I blast them. But even before then, you know, what ended up happening is so they didn't want to let me produce, but they put me on the laugh off, right? Which was their competition. Oh wow. And uh. So I did four shows and six shows and two nights, right? I wasn't ready. That's a lot. When Even though it's only five minutes or four shows and two nights, right? You were only doing seven minute sets or whatever. It, it, <laughs> like now I would crush that. Yeah, absolutely. Like now I would thrive in that. Right? Like, now I'd be outside smoking a cig going, what seven yeah. am I doing now? What do I want to do for this show? Let's see. Are we going to do Duante again? Now let's just start out with my race jokes. No, let's get into Gainal. Like, and you know my lines. That's why you're just laughing. I see that. Yeah, that's a good place to start. That's a good joke. Right? Like, you haven't <laughs> heard some of my, have you heard my cigarette burn scars joke yet? Yeah. Yeah. You told it. Uh, we heard you say well, it. Well, we recorded the, uh... it the first time. Yeah. At the, well, at the Cynthia Cynthia show. And, oh, that's right. In her neighborhood, her neighborhood show. That's right. You guys saw me at her neighborhood show. Yeah. And that was when I first started. It's gotten better. And my delivery on it's way better. Nice. But that's the whole thing is like I wasn't ready. But I was the only black guy in the contest that round. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Really? So I filled a quota for him. I was the black guy that round. Out of 14 comics, you only got one black guy? Wow. That's like unheard of around here. Right? And so it's Seattle. It's not unheard of, but it's just, it is what it is, right? Wow. And then, like, my first night, I didn't do well. The second night, well, when it came, push came to shove, I took the 11th out of 13th. I actually beat three other comics. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And, I, and that was cool. the sad part is even though I wasn't, I don't know, being respected or truly supposed to be there, I showed I was still better than other people. And then I've never really perform there again. And I think you guys will understand this and you guys know it. And, and congratulations on finally doing uh, um, Oakland Comedy Club. I saw you finally did that. Yeah. that oh, was- yeah. we uh, uh, Comedy Oakland. Hell yeah. I know that was something you were jealous of. You're like, fucker, how do you already have that picture? I was <laughs> like, I was like, you don't even live here and yeah. you've been on Comedy Oakland. I can't even get on that show. 
you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, bitch. <laughs> but that was that that's a prime example of something else, but you know what I mean? It's same idea. You know what I mean? Like not saying you're funnier than me or getting in that pissing contest, right? But we're equal comedian, and let's just say even equal, right? And I'm an out-of-state guy, but I can get on a show your local club faster than you, and you're already funny and you're here. Why does that – how does that happen? Well, yeah. I'm from Seattle. <laughs> we got a comedian all the way from Seattle. <laughs> Sounds way better. <laughs> yeah, they kind of – I mean, people just, kind of take their local people for granted uh, when it comes to, like, people from out of town. That's, that is true. And so it's it's one of those where, you know, for me, it's been a whole just thing. You know what I mean? Like trying to be able to create that space. Like, yeah, am I going to be able to pay you guys a whole lot? No. But you know what? Now, if I if I hadn't booked them up already, but let's say we make it to next year, you guys could collectively get paid. I could probably pay you guys combined 300 for the weekend because I got a Friday, Saturday show that go back to back. That's right. And then we could put a tip jar up, tell them you're from California, maybe we can get you more. But when you finally got two independent shows, $150 for each of you guys, two nights, that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, that's, I know that, that. That is a good weekend. Right? That's not, yeah, one of you guys is getting the 50, the other guy is getting the 30 each night. I'm really probably only supposed to pay maybe 200. I'm throwing in another 100. But when you can finally do that for somebody, if I can get you 200 for two nights, then now you get another show for 100. You get another show, and then you figure out, and you sell some Etsy shit while you're here. Not saying literally, but you get what I'm talking about. Like that's how we make it, right? That's how we get on the road. That's how we're able to survive. And so now that I'm there, and I've been able to do that, and I'm doing it, it's it's hard to quit. Some days I go to shows, and I don't want to even want to fucking do them. I don't want to deal with attitude. I'll give you like my last show. I made twenty one dollars, right? I can talk to you about my last two shows. My last show, I made $21, right? Um, I get there. It's at the little 20, the place that holds 20 people, right? It's my buddy's brewery. I went to high school with him, right? His little brother opened it with him. His other brother opened it with him. And then their friend, they call their brother. I got to tell you everything about this show for you to understand how I feel. (laughs) So I walk up. The one guy goes, hey, I see you got us doing comedy in a closet. I was like, okay, so we're going to start with insults? I was just joking. I haven't even said hello to you yet. I just kind of walk off. Well, I blunt and let that subside. So then I was like, hey, you know, you guys get free beer. Go have beer. We've got three tickets pre-sold. We had like six tickets pre-sold out of 20 seats. So we're at 30% capacity. It's not like we're empty. It may only be six people, but we're at 30% capacity, right? Three or four more ticket sales and the room fills full, right? Yeah. So, plus you three or four people, that's like 15 out of 20 seats. We're full, right? So then I've got cash, so I hand the dude 20 bucks, and I hand the girl 10. She says, what's this money? Ooh, a whole $10. I'm getting paid. Will you shut the fuck up? Wow. Wow. I usually don't even pay the person who's doing five minutes. So I was being nice. Because do you get paid doing five minutes anywhere else, you guys? I mean, guest spots, yeah, you don't get paid for a guest spot. And I usually book my opener at five minutes. It's not a guest spot. The idea is it's a guest spot, but I'm putting you on the flyer. I'm kind of doing both. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. I'm trying to get you some exposure. I'm doing you, you're doing, you're opening with five, but you're not really. And I've just really started paying them just to be nice. Really, yeah. I don't have, but you get what I'm saying? 
you yeah. gas money to get home and shit. Yeah. And even at twenty dollars for ten, that's not bad pay. You don't you get less than that a lot of places, right? Yeah. A lot of places yeah. are having you pay to do ten. I mean, you get less than that working your oh. ninety five. Bingo, right? That's one hundred twenty dollars an hour at twenty dollars for ten minutes. So then the one of the I told you the guy there's a guy that owns the brewery that's not related who doesn't really know me. He won't shut the fuck up. He's heckling the show basically. Then I can tell he's mad that I'm behind the bar area because I'm not an owner. But usually when you're producing a show, even at a bar, you're allowed to be in the backspace because you're kind of like an employee. You're yeah. throwing a show. Yeah, right. No one has a room that small to be leaning against the counter. Isn't shit anyways, right? So I'm getting all this flack to make $21. Then oh, my fine. show before that was at my other venue. And mind you, this will be Jokes of Jewels number 24 next this month. We've only been out of the pandemic for how long? 24 months. That means I started a show the first month I could out of the pandemic. I've been doing shows there every month since the pandemic stopped. Wow, that's awesome. Take that on for a second, right? So the month before last, remember, I had a Elysian's Brewery. We talked about this. I had partnered up with Elysian's Brewery to do my show. They pre-sold 20 tickets and then bought another 10 at the door for the show. So I made 400 bucks off that, just off them, plus whatever came in, right? That's awesome. So the month before <laughs> I was working, the show sold out. I didn't even have to be there, made some money, paid everybody. It was great. This month we had three pre-sale. Oh, nice. I was at three, three tickets. Not nice. This place holds 50. We had another four people show up by the time I got there because I was doing the Mariners game, right? The owner had called me the day before the time out. She was going to work the bar in the back. By the time I got there, she wasn't there. So the following day, I got a text talking about, so what's going on with your shows? What happened last night? What do you mean? Well, there was only three people there, and? Well, last month, the, without a lesion, we wouldn't have, and? Well, something, something, and I stood my ground. and was kind of an asshole. We kind of went back and forth. Well, I'm not trying to push you. It seems like it. <laughs> like, how would your other shows do? Yeah, you're right. All my shows have sucked. Well, if all the shows have sucked, why are you just messaging about mine? Wow. Long story short, um, I think we're at eight pre-sale already for Friday. <laughs> right? And then when I sent my email uh, Thursday or text saying I was going to post, I was like, we got three pre-sold. I'm going to hang posters. She's like, you know what? I'm doing more on my end. I'm sorry. I talked to Malia. I'm gonna... And it was like, no. Shit. Why well, I said all this to say this is that Sometimes you get lost in all that idea of making profit and having money and doing numbers and forget the fact that if I didn't throw these shows, who would? Yeah. And like that show you're talking about, I think in Idaho where the last one you did was break even and they're like, they decided to cut it off. And it's like, you were on the verge of yeah. making money because um, you were going up that ladder and you're at the part where you're breaking even. And the next step is, is a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Right. The next step is you guys are making money. The next step is you guys, you know, maybe you, you say, Hey, we're going to keep 200 or we negotiate that we're paying some of the money we're going to get, but for you to take it now, you don't take it. Now you let us get a win. You let me get a win. I've been here four times. You finally let me get a win. Yeah. Yeah. So do people do get, get hung up in, in the money aspect. A lot of it, like you said, um, I was doing a show uh, at a local club here and, you know, I kind of overpromised money, I guess, a little bit. And I ended up having to give money out of my pocket and I couldn't really afford it. So I haven't done a, uh, a show since because I'm like, well, I'm not going to do a show until 
I can lose a little bit of money if I need to. You know, there's a there's a there's two ways I avoided I avoided that early. Um, all my shows early were were at Columbia City Theater, and I had a max of 120. And what I did is I guaranteed new comedians three percent. My more veteran comedian, 6% of the door after cost, right? And so what it did is it made everything performance-based. Right, yes. And it made it a whole lot easier. Now, it's not easy to do that with what you guys are doing, right? And like I said, I had 100-person venues. Now, you know, at 30 people, you know, you get 30 people in in a 40-person room, you fucking sold out, everybody's happy. You get 30 people in a 100-person room, we're barely breaking even. (laughs) <laughs> everybody's getting paid right the bar's like are we sure we should have stayed so it, it, it i started so i started medium because 120 people isn't huge but it is huge how many people have sold out 120 people for a show produced at a non-comedy club right i don't think a lot of your friends or, or producers can say that i mean i can't think of anybody off the top of my head right a non-comedy club Comedy club's different, where it's already seating and we've got it, or right? But to produce at a non-comedy club and do that, that's hard. And that's what I started with. And so I started real high and had a whole bunch of success, and then I've been having to do all this little bullshit for no money. <laughs> right? Yeah. Which yeah. sucks, but it's also, it's kind of given me the grease to the wheels. It's made things happen. Built some character. Yeah, builds character. Also, I've got a process. Like, once I, I, I know how things are done... Same with my artist, or not my artist, but my, yeah, my artist, I guess you could say my designer. She knows how where everything's supposed to be. There's a uniformity to my flyers. Like, there, when you look at my flyers, all the information's there. Where to get tickets, the age group, <laughs> is there food, <laughs> right? Like, how many flyers do you see now? And you're like, ooh, that's cool. What city is that in? Yeah, yeah. so many times where I'm like, ooh, this is a cool show, but where is it? What's the address? Yeah. Or what's the but, ticket link? It's a QR what's the code. the time? How much does it cost? Mm-hmm. Yep. Where do I find the tickets? Yeah. Do I get tickets at the door? How do I? Who? You would. Oh, it's $60 to go. No wonder reason why you didn't put your price of the ticket on the fucking but then, flyer. But then also, there's the risk of putting too much information on the flyer. So you have to kind of keep it this 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 beautiful middle ground. Mm-hmm. I think mine do a pretty good job of that, I think, right? I think yours do, yeah. Yeah. Right? Like you get the name, you get a picture. The name of the event, where it's at on the bottom, a ticket link, my logo somewhere, and a picture of me. And I'm usually the smallest picture on there because I'm the host. And it's easy to read. Mm-hmm. And it's straight Left to right, yeah. top to bottom. But those are all things that, like, you learn. And the best part is, is, like, you guys know, and I know Athena knows this, even though I have my designer, uh, I'd say about 10% of my flyers are mine, and people don't even know they're mine. Like, my new cleanish flyer, that's one I did. That's great. I bet you didn't know, right? And it's a pretty decent looking flyer. Okay. Now, what you notice on mine, they're not going to wow you artistically. They're very neat and organized. Now, when you get all the purple colors, that's when you go, oh, he used as a designer, <laughs> right? But I, it's just, that's what it is. And so through these, these shit shows and the big shows, I found a way to work. You know what I mean? And, and, and like with you, I'd say, so I finally did an open mic. I did uh let me see what is it I think I had 24 of them scheduled so that's six months right 
out of the six months, let me see how many of them we actually did. I think we did 19 of them. So over a six-month period, I hosted a weekly mic, I think 15 out of those 24 times because I, I had somebody rotates every four weeks. That was hell. Like hosting an open mic will give you a new appreciation. Yeah, so I scheduled. Yeah, that's for sure. I scheduled 29 of them weekly, right? And then the last, we missed 10 of them. So I did 19 out of 24 because the last five we were closed for. It's not like I didn't do them. We were just closed, right? But 19 weeks, 15 open mics. The the thing I talked to a buddy about is, I don't know, you guys will probably agree with this, and I'll say this very comfortably. I don't know if there's a better host than me. I mean, I, I think we're all the hosts in the world, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you get what I mean? Like, I'm not saying yeah. like all the hosts, but like pound for pound. I don't think there's a better host out there. I'm very welcoming. My material really isn't too offensive or too dark or too red. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I go to, I got a good limit. I'm a good character. I've got a good look to me. I'm always dressed well. I'm appeasable. I'm soft on the eyes, right? Do you know why? I've hosted 250, 300, more than that. Probably like yeah. 500 shows. That's crazy, yeah. Right? Between open mics, hosting, online. Like, I've probably, in my five, I'm a little over five years in. I could probably comfortably say I've probably hosted around 300 shows. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, you, you produce a lot of shows. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're hosting other shows, too, and, and stuff like that. So I can see that. Then, you know, hosting going shows, podcasts. I mean, I've got oh, 60 yeah. podcasts, right, of my own. So I've hosted 60 podcasts. Um, I hosted, I think, 30 or 40 of my own shows online. So that gets me close to just 100 there, right? Mm-hmm. And then if we averaged, uh, what is it, three shows a month that I'm hosting a year, that's 40. Yeah, we're about 250 shows. Like, that's. There's things that cannot be taught without going through that, right? And it's it's this journey. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's been magical, and I've uh, you know it's it's. I don't. Uh, my brag was I think I'm one of the best hosts, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I would say I would absolutely say you're a solid host. That that it's not that I'm the funniest guy around. It's not that you know what I mean. It's that. I feel like that is like, okay, so let's just like strip away um, the the thought that it's like ego-based. But when you believe that you are the best host around or the best host, that does something to you chemically. I think it alters you chemically and it makes you actually perform as that. Oh, definitely. Because uh, I get on the stage and I'm just like, we're here for a party. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I talked to somebody it. about that is like remember when we did our show together, I didn't do a lot of hosting. Mm-hmm. I didn't do a lot of time. I just let you guys go up and get got out the way because I knew each and every one of you guys were funny, right? And then you've seen me do online shows where not everybody's funny. <laughs> right? <laughs> you've seen right that like that's a, a weird balance, right? And then knowing when you can tag on people's stuff and when you can pick on people versus when you can't. Yeah, um, right. You know what I mean? Like, you could tell that I could talk shit about Athena all day. 
and it'll be okay because we have a relationship as friends. So there'll be no facial issue. Now, if I don't really know Athena and you talk shit about Athena and she puts that mad look on, oh, the whole crowd's going to know. I didn't know that I had a mad look. Yeah, it's I didn't normal, know my face does it's that. Your normal, it's your normal face. <laughs> it's just your normal blank face when you're not smiling, basically. I know. Isn't that sad? Oh my it, God, is that my you just don't face. smile. You're just, you just look at people and you're like, how fucking dare you? And you don't, you, you just go blank. Sorry. <laughs> Sam's like, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> He's not flinching. Bird, yeah. <laughs> right. But you get me in trouble, Dante. <laughs> <laughs> tu cayete. Tu sabe. Tu sabe. <laughs> yo sé. Yo sé. But those are the things like you get better at. And then it's, it's a different skill. Um, to say I'm one of the better hosts, I'm, I'm not the best host. Let me not say I'm the best. I'm one of the better hosts, right? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. no way you could say the best, but I know I'm one of the better hosts around. I know that I could show up in any market on any day and be given a list of people and host the shit out of a show. Yeah. I don't need to know anybody on the fucking show. You can hand me a list, tell me a time to be there, and I'm going to show up and I'm be well-dressed and be ready to go. I'm going to have my timer, like... It's just a thing that I'm, it's just a thing. And I think we all find like our, our passions and like the sports broadcasting has been one for me and I've hit a wall a little bit. And part of it's because I think I'm supposed to be a talent. I think part of it is, and I'm not supposed to be a guy behind the scenes. I'm supposed to be the guy in front of the camera. Yeah, I can see that. And until I become that guy, I'm going to have these riffs because I do want to help. And I do have a voice. And I am loud. And I do laugh. And no, I'm not going to be quiet. And I don't know how to be quiet. <laughs> and if I am, it's not a good thing, right? So it's it, that's not bad. Just got to find my opportunity, right? And I've, 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 I've grown. Not so much like matured. It's called grown, grown into my space. I don't think I have so much matured as I have grown and like my wings have dried out if you know what I mean when you go through a metamorphosis yeah you're a butterfly but your wings gotta dry out before you fly right you gotta pump your legs right you gotta pump your wings a couple times get the blood going yeah totally get them flapping <laughs> right right she's like yeah I'm gonna cry again <laughs> <laughs> sounds so inspirational but it's true and so I think in comedy we all we want all want to fly, and we all want to be Kevin Hart. But I wouldn't mind being Steve Harvey and hosting Family Feud. Oh my gosh, that would be incredible! I would love to do something like that. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. does, does anybody like? I, I ran into the guys who run the wiffle ball league, and I'm trying to let them let me announce wiffle ball. Oh, okay. Imagine okay. me announcing wiffle ball. What the fuck? Oh, that's a strike. That dropped in out of fucking nowhere. It's a How start, though. How are supposed to swing at that? What the it's fuck? It's definitely a start. You have to start somewhere. Right? Like, I almost got on with the fish sticks this year, which is one of our local teams. But the high school wants me back. I got my court stuff handled, so they're trying to get me back next year to announce the local high school. And it's the one that wins state most of the year, right? Like, there's so much traction to be had. And I, I've... uh like I, I cried at a base. I cried for two reasons this year at baseball. I've cried for a couple, but there were back to back days. So the first day of the baseball world, uh, all star game, I worked. 
I went. I worked as a as a sports broadcaster during the All Star Game, which is fucking huge. Yeah, that's incredible. And so the first day I worked, I was supposed to get there at 10 a.m. because I'm a stats guy. I don't have to get there super early like everybody else. And I guess at the super early meeting, they said you couldn't take a picture with your credential. Because people are doing digital scans and trying to copy your credential. Whatever. I'm old. I don't even think about that shit. I'm just showing off and took a picture. So I got a call during the first game that I had a picture online. Somebody saw it. I needed to take it down or I might get pulled from the game. And this is my producer calling. The guy who scheduled me. He never calls me during a game. Yeah. I answered it. So I delete the photo. And then I'm all stressed out. And so now I'm crying. And I feel all anxious. And I'm worried that I'm about to get fired for the rest of the day. And so one of my other buddies messaged me. And is like, hey, I heard what happened. And I said, oh, you heard what happened? And I'm about to cry. I tell you this because it just feels like I'm getting bullied. Yeah. Right? Like, why does everybody need to hear I fucked up? Yeah. So then by the time I get to the lunch, I hear everybody, I can hear, oh, the guy, the stats guy who was showed up. Dang. Right? Now, mind you, to get in, I had the security lady give me a hard time because I didn't have my pass, but my pass was inside. I needed to go inside to get my pass. If you let me go get my pass, I'll come right back. And just then when I finally got it, she's like, well, I need to check your bag. Okay, well, I'm just doing my job. Okay, well, I'm just doing my job. Okay. Is there a reason for your attitude? Yeah, because I'm just doing my (laughs) job. Ma'am, can we fucking stop? So I make it through the first day. Um, I come back the second day, and I, I remember I got to work with Ken Griffey Jr. and Harold Reynolds. I was all excited. I didn't get to work in the same booth with Harold Reynolds, uh, Ken Griffey, because he was on the field, but it was me, Dave Sims, Harold Reynolds, Cece Bathia, and Clinton Yates did black espn and we're all in the booth and i'm, I'm crying because it's all black people wow that's cool we're covering baseball and we got all black broadcast booth and another one of the black guys came up and he took a picture and like you guys don't you don't fucking see that yeah you don't even see that for fucking football right right and that's our game you don't see that for <laughs> that's basketball <laughs> Right? And that's our game. And to be sitting there and my uncle, uh, I'm crying. Uh, I got to meet my uncle like seven or eight years ago with my aunt. And, uh, my uncle was a pitcher in the minor leagues when Jackie Robinson was breaking through. And so I get to meet him and, uh, we're having breakfast in Indianapolis, Indiana. And, uh, we're in, uh, Fuck, what is it called? Uh, Camden. It's the rich white part of Indianapolis. And my uncle's telling a story about how every town he went to, they'd say, these niggas can't stay here. These niggas this and these niggas that. My aunt's like, you got to stop talking like that. He's like, I'll talk however the fuck I want. I don't care if these crackers hear me or not. And I am laughing my ass off because we're in the middle of breakfast. <laughs> we're the late niggas for breakfast <laughs> it's us and our waitress which I thought was kind of funny as well <laughs> right and um, he's just telling me about how how he got shit on you know and had shit thrown at him and stayed in the, and then he'd go up and strike these crackers out and how that's what I'm doing now in my own way. That's what Suitman Productions is. You know what I mean? That's what all this is. And, you know, I'm sitting there and there's 
five black men covering the <laughs> in the black baseball classic. And the funny part is half the players were white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's how they end up playing baseball because they're the white guys at the black school. They're getting <laughs> they're, they're getting the minority scholarship. And we even laughed about that part, right? But it just there's 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 something to be said about being able to be you in a space. Yeah. And I'm working my ass off to do that for so many people in so many different ways. Yeah, you know what? Like you can easily like just do the black shows, right? Be like, I'm trying to give black people a voice, but you're not. You're doing disabled people, you're doing elderly people, you're doing women. Like you are giving people a voice that don't normally have a voice. Yeah. Uh it's uh and the worst is when it goes I, so I did I did the improv. Did you guys see check out the improv set? If you didn't, you need to. I'll send it to you. It's fucking I don't up. think I don't think so. All right, I'll send it to you. You guys are gonna laugh. You guys are gonna <laughs> sit. That's the that's the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's improv. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you sorry, you sorry. Right, right. But um fuck, what was I said? Uh oh shit, I lost it. About the improv uh set. No, before that I was saying diversity. Oh, oh yeah. So I was at the improv thing, and there's this local producer who started producing shows. She's a man-hating lesbian. <laughs> okay. Like, not kind of, not sort of. And then on top of it, she's kind of a, uh, I think she got in trouble for, like, hitting her last partner, and which is like, hold on, you can't be a feminist and then be... Abusing women, right? So, uh, <laughs> that I mean, I guess, I guess he can, <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, she, she started doing her shows. Now she did an all woman lineup. Guess what she called it? What? Men aren't funny. Mm, yeah. Okay. And then she would staple her posters over my posters in some place. Wow. And then on top of it, her poster's not as big as my poster. So then, you know, basically you're putting this little like three by five over my. 8, 11 by 17. Wow. So you can still see the rest of my poster, and you're like, men aren't funny. Come to my show instead of going to Superman's, basically, right? Wow. And I was the first. I'm one of the only comics, actually. The first and only comics who poster like that. So now you're coming out of your Belltown area and coming down to the black neighborhood to poster over my shit. Well, anyways, I'm at the improv show, and I'm talking to one of the guys, and I was like, hey, are you still doing the mic down there at the one place? He's like, yeah, I'm not hosted, but it's on Thursdays. Oh, I'm not going there. If you're not there, I don't want to be about part of that place. I don't think they'll like me there. He goes, oh, no, that's the Tuesday show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, He's like, yeah, I saw that she was kind of, it was kind of weird to hear how she wanted to be about diversity, but then she hates on you and all you do is diversity. And I was like, oh, the white guy gets it. If the white guy gets, oh, shit. Like that's when I like when I know why people give me those kind of compliments. That's when I'm like I'm doing something right. <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's a uh, it's a fight. It's charity work. Yeah, yeah. But you're doing you're doing good, man. You're doing good. Uh, speaking of diversity, we should wrap up because we've been going a long time. Uh, but before we go, tell us a bit more like about the Suitman Productions and your podcast and what you're doing and where to find it all. Well, we are Suitman Productions. Just Google Suitman, like Suit and Tie, Suitman Productions. It'll find you'll find our YouTube. You'll find our website. Um, 
our podcasts are autistic artists and dis- dating with disabilities. Uh, dating with disabilities focuses on people dating with disabilities. And we talked about the person we date talked to today for an hour is a virgin. So there's stuff to talk about, even if you haven't had sex or you're not successful, right? We found an hour <laughs> worth of shit to talk about. And that was the whole idea is part of dating is not dating. Because I'm pretty sure if uh, Sam said he was dating right now, you'd be like, he is not dating with disabilities. He is married with disabilities. <laughs> <laughs> totally different thing, right? And you're in a relationship with disabilities. You're not dating where you live together, you prick, right? <laughs> so it, it's analyzing and looking at some of those things. And, like, you know, to to talk to a guy, he'd tell you, like, I got a foot that goes into a nub, right? Like, I got a nub that I use with a prosthetic, like, to talk about that. I think the biggest thing we talked about today was, I was like, man, I was pretty popular, and somebody that was popular, he's like, you know what? I finally figured that out, too. I was like, yeah, dude, whether you're disabled or not, I'm pretty sure all the girls found you somewhat safe, and we're like, hi, hi, Hollis, and wanted to give you a hug, and all the other dudes were like, fuck this guy. and he was thinking back he's like you kind of got a point right and he's like do you know how many women that have been like i've never been with a little guy and all this stuff like he's never taken advantage of it of course right because he's the virgin and that's what his choice is but to even just talk about that that's an option like to have that conversation to talk about those things you don't talk about those things we laughed about how i was like dude i was uncomfortable to talk to you for 20 minutes because i didn't know how to figure out how fucked up you were I needed to know. I needed, I needed an answer. So I was just kind of waiting for us to talk about it. And then we did. And then I was like, okay, we're cool. But until I found out what was wrong with you, I couldn't really talk to you, fucker. Cause that's all that was on my mind. Fuck. <laughs> and he, he said, I get it. Right. And, and just to even have those conversations. And then we found out he's autistic. So I'm going to start doing autistic artists again. And I think that's a huge one I have to do because the dating with disabilities ones. Yeah. It's cool. It's fun. But the autistic artist ones, I think is the biggest one because there's always a uh, frustration. Like the first part of the podcast, everybody's kind of angry. And then the second part of the podcast, we talk about the diagnosis. And the third part of the podcast is usually happy. Now that transition um, goes faster than others, right? But there's a, and I'll give you me for an example. Uh, Most people don't believe I'm autistic until they hang out with me, right? And then a lot of people are like, well, you've never been diagnosed. I go, well, hmm, did you know I went to portable classes for four out of five of my elementary school years? What does it mean when you get bused from one school to another for half the day? Anybody want to answer? That's special education. You don't go to special education without what? Some sort of problem. Some sort of issue, yeah. Now, whether you want to say that's behavioral, which is the misnomer of most people of color who had autism is that they were given a behavioral diagnosis in the 80s and 90s or you want to just say it was all behavioral it wasn't it was the fact that i was smart enough to be in school but not socially socially adept enough to be in class what is that again that's fucking autism that's exactly what we're talking about here right so it's, I feel like that's me. I feel like you described me too. <laughs> yeah, you're a little retarded too, Sam. It's yeah, okay. That's why we all get along. <laughs> right? But that's it, it it's such a, a thing to not only talk about, but like the idea of masking. And I talk about masking not only just that, but I mask based on my uh ethnicity. 
I got to be a little blacker around my black friends or I'm a white guy. I got to be a little less niggerish around my white friends or they get scared. <laughs> well, you are, you are tall, Dante. <laughs> Sam met me in real life. I remember the first time I met Sam. I was like, I thought you were going to be taller, dude. He's like, everybody says that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But that's the thing is that these are all, and I talk to people about this, is if most of the stuff I was doing was being done, like, just to give you a heads up, I got my friends investing to, with me so I can do Deaf Comedy Jam again. Oh, I'm going to do about a 400 person venue. So now we're trying to get it where we're bringing people from out of the state to come in and we're scheduling it for April. So we should have our venue by October and be able to sell tickets nationally starting with six months and really try to do this big thing. And when I say deaf comedy jam, it's D E A F. We're trying to tr- translate comedy for a deaf and hearing audience and bring a deaf headliner to headline the show. So hearing comedians can hear a deaf comic as a headliner, right? There's so many things there that nobody else is doing that I'm trying to do that I just said in seven seconds, right? Yeah, I know you're right about that. That's what I am want to be known for. And that's that's a good way to get to the end of this, right? That's what Superman of Productions is about. Mixed and misidentified, the mixed, the what are you show, right? Like nobody was doing that. Nobody's really jumped on it since, right? I've seen a couple, but nobody's really, that show is hilarious, when I did that show live, do you know the mix of fucking people we got in the room was as mixed up as the people on the stage? <laughs> right. right? Everybody can relate to being mixed and misidentified. And when you're no, mixed, everybody, but matter with it, but it, you're right. Everybody can. And what you mean by that is every mixie can understand what it's like to be another mixie, even yeah. if we're not the same mix. Mm-hmm. Because even though... Athena isn't fucking Mexican. Are you part Mexican? You're part Nate. I know you're mixed with something, right? But you're not just all Mexican, right? And then you, I'm not just a native too, right? And then <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or when people, you're a shitty Mex. I'm not even Mexican. I'm I'm Navajo, bitch. Navajo. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like people are like, what are you, Samoan? Or like when we talked about the, had the white girl who's like, she's Russian and Jewish. And oh, so you're white. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> and then even the white people get it because they're like, I'm not Russian, I'm Ukrainian. You're fucking white to us. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. And they're Asian looking Tajikistani people. And you're like, what are you, Japanese? And they're speaking Russian. You're like, Whoa, hold on. Where are you from again? These are all things. And I, that's what I, I I go towards, you know. I'm trying to start. We I try to get a sketch comedy group thing going. It didn't start working so well, but I wanted to get that going. I'm just trying to do everything. Hell yeah! Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for having me, guys. This is always fun. Thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It was super fun to talk to you as well. I know. We always start talking. Next thing you know, it's an hour and a half, two hours. You're like, oh, fuck, we got to be done. <laughs> we got to trim this shit down. It means I need to come down and hang out with you guys. I think that's what it means. I need to come. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think we do need to hang out again soon. Be um, before we go, though, do you want to plug your social media? Yeah. Suitman Productions. That's going to be the main page. Uh, if you're looking for me on the Instagram, go to Suitman Suit. Man, 206. That's our area code out here is 206 in Seattle. And then if you want to go to the old Tiki Talk, I'm the Black <laughs> Seth Rogan. 
<laughs> is, that your, is that your name on there, Black Septimus? Yeah, because I did. I've been on forty-three cut videos. Most of you guys have seen me. Yeah, you've seen me in a suit and tie. You've seen me on Snapchat. You've seen me on TikTok with the cut. So everybody on the cut started saying I was the Black Seth Rogan. So my TikTok handle is uh, the Black Seth Rogan. Nice. I love it. I love it. You can find me across the board at Funky Sam Medina. And I am at She Shines for You, all spelled out, no numbers. And everything else is at Hypothetical Comedy. Awesome, Dante. Thank you so much. Thank you.